Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology. From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path become a world-class dermatologist. Welcome back to the DIGA podcast. I am your host, Nate Marroquin, and on today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Mahira Farsing. She is a board-certified dermatologist and fellowship-trained Mohs surgeon. On today's show, she shares her journey to dermatology, what it takes to become a dermatologist, and what it takes to become a Mohs surgeon. She shares a little bit of her day in the life, and with that being said, we'll see you on the skin side. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I am joined by Dr. Mahira Farsi. She is a board-certified dermatologist and a fellowship-trained Mohs surgeon, and today she's going to share her journey, and I'm going to let her take it away. Thank you for the introduction. Um, as you said, my name is Mahira Farsi. So um, I actually grew up in South Georgia in Valdosta. Um, it's, I guess, um, a bigger small town if you're from South Georgia and you know the area. So that's where I grew up, and I actually went to college there as well. I went to Valdosta State University. And while I was in um, undergrad, I knew that I liked the sciences. I knew that I wanted to do something in the medical field. And a lot of that was prompted by just my upbringing. My dad was a physician and I really looked up to him and I really enjoyed seeing his relationship with his patients and, you know, how he made a difference. And so I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And so that helped me in the beginning of my um, met, uh, my undergrad career. And when I decided to finally apply for medical school, I basically, honestly, the way I did it, and I don't know if it was the best way, but at that time, I was trying to find a medical school that um, had a curriculum that would help me learn and to the best of my ability. And so I actually um, applied to only a few schools. I applied to schools that use problem-based learning because that's when um, I I noticed that a lot of schools were so, slowly adopting that type of curriculum. And mm -hmm. it was really interesting because I felt like it would better prepare you clinically for whenever you did do residency and in the future. And so while I was interviewing at those programs, it was almost, I feel like destiny that I got into the school I did. So I went to Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. So I went to the warmer campus in Bradenton. <laughs> The main campus is in Lake Erie, Pennsylvania. I don't know how I would have survived there if I went there from South Georgia. Um, but basically, that was the only school I got into. And I was waitlisted. And so when I got the call a few months later, it was very exciting. So it definitely put things in perspective whenever you feel like you're not going to get in and then you get that final call. So that was my journey into getting into medical school. And it was probably the most stressful part of the last mm -hmm. couple of years, I think it's because it's the first step and you are still a little nervous. You're not as confident. Mm -hmm. So you finally get that acceptance letter, then you feel like you can breathe easy because from there, you know that at least you're going to be some kind of doctor. Yeah. And it's that classic saying you only need one, right? You can have 50, 50 acceptances, but you're only going to choose one anyway. So when you get one, you're in the door and you can be have that future to become a doctor. Yes, absolutely. And actually, not to stray off course, but my husband actually only got one interview for medical school. That was the only medical school he got into. And then he got into the most competitive residencies and fellowship after. So, um, so honestly, really just does mm -hmm. take the program. Sometimes you just need to get your foot in the door and then prove your worth, you know, 
sometimes exactly. good applicants go missed. And we're going to talk about dermatology in a second. But we know that I think last year, 2000 students went unmatched. Um, so again, good students go on, on uh, they go missed, you know, it's not that you didn't do the work and you're not going to be a good doctor in the future, but things happen and you'll find your way into a program at some point. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer of that as well. I want to piggyback to something you said, living in the cold weather. I'm from, a, I'm from Southern California and I've said this on this podcast a few times, but we were in Denver for med school and, uh, it's mild winters there, but coming from Southern California and going to a, a winter state, it was a, it was a little bit of a shock, but it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you get used to it mm-hmm. and then you find little things you like about mm-hmm. it and you don't feel weird wearing a jacket and layering. So, you know, uh, <laughs> there's pluses and minuses. Yeah. Um, so you're in med school. At what point during medical school did you know that dermatology was for you and, and how did you find that path? So whenever I started medical school, I didn't know what field I was the most interested in. And as I was learning the different um, you know, systems and anatomy. And I felt like every, every time we would learn about a new system, I would say, oh my gosh, I love this. I can see myself doing this forever. But I think that once you start doing your rotation, starting your second year, I know di- now different med schools do it differently mm-hmm. with their clinical rotations. But whenever I started my clinicals, I honestly would enjoy every single thing I did. But then as I was doing more and more rotations, I realized that I really enjoyed working with my hands and doing procedural uh, medicine. So my first um, experience with working with my hands was during my general surgery rotation. And I really enjoyed it. It was very rigorous as most surgery rotations <laughs> are. and But I enjoyed it so much that I didn't feel burnt out when I was doing mm. it. Okay. Um, now this was, so this was during my third year. So I would say this was about around this time, my third year. So, you know, I was still kind of deciding. So at that point I, you know, I was like, you know what, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. But then my dad, he said, there are so many other options for you know, procedural medicine. Why don't you, you know, why don't you see other options and just make sure before you commit, um, AKA he was trying to tell me directly <laughs> that have a stressful life if you're a surgeon and so can i I ask a question yes what specialty is he so he does internal medicine and then also emergency medicine okay Okay. so then he said why don't you do a dermatology rotation i heard those people are really happy (laughs) great hours so then um i was like okay well you know i'll try it so um one of my family members actually is a dermatologist in ireland so oh wow yeah, so he's at um, an academic program there, and he said that he had some research projects that, you know, he's been working on, and that I could come visit for a month and just rotate and just see, you know, what I thought. So I went to Ireland. I took a month off. It was my elective month, but I also like, you know, took a few weeks off, and I went to Ireland, and it was really cool. So they have a different um, healthcare system, obvious, obviously mm-hmm. there, but it was really interesting to see all aspects of dermatology because it was an academic program and um, they were essentially the only dermatologists in that region. So I got to see um, inpatient dermatology. I got to see procedural dermatology, um, pediatric dermatology, um, dermatopathology, and pretty much all aspects of dermatology that you can think of. And my research was um, on melanoma. So essentially you know, there is a high prevalence of melanoma um, in Ireland, um, which, you know, sounds weird because it's, you know, gloomy there, Mm -hmm. but 
it has a very high prevalence. And basically, because of the healthcare system there, you know, they have, you know, clinics where you come in and you can have, um, you know, like your rash checked out Mm -hmm. or, you know, skin check or whatever you're going in there for. But a lot of these people that had diagnosed melanomas had to wait a pretty long time because they were on a wait list to have their melanomas treated. So basically, um, they looked at the, um, so they implemented a pigmented lesion clinic and those patients were triaged into this clinic. And then my research was to look at the numbers and see how much um, time, but how much time lapsed between um, the patients having the biopsy to having it treated before the clinic was implemented and after. And um, the results were pretty astronomical. So it was really cool to um, do that research, but, um, but not to digress. Um, I, I was really shocked how much of a difference you can make as a dermatologist, because in medical school, everybody says, if it's wet, dry it, if it's dry, wet mm-hmm. it. And um, so when I came back, I think I decided, you know what, I, I love this, I'm going to try to go for it. But at that point, this was, you know, the second half of my third year. And I felt like I was competing with people that knew since they were in fifth grade that they wanted to mm-hmm. be a dermatologist. So it was a very daunting, you know, mm-hmm. decision to make. However, I knew that if I was going to do it, I would have to put in a lot more work in a shorter period of time. So I was lucky in the sense that I had some friends in my class that were willing to help me um, that were also applying for dermatology. So I reached out to them and asked them how they navigated that process. Mm-hmm. And um, I think at that at that time, and I'm sure it's you know similar to this, you have to get FaceTime. So I set up as many rotations as I could. I literally, I would email every single program. I was open to going anywhere in the country or even out of the country if I could. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I tried to set up as many rotations as possible, even if I was going to be going, um, during my time off, because you can still, um, you might not be able to do anything because of, um, the liability, um, if you're going during your time off, but even just to shadow and make connections, um, so I know that was a really long yeah. answer, but that was that was how I decided that mm-hmm. I wanted to do dermatology. There's a few things I want to piggyback off that. I was kind of similar. Um, my wife is an MA. She worked for, said this on the podcast before, but she worked for a big ortho practice in San Diego. I thought ortho was the way I was going to go. Um, kind of similar came to revelation that the stressed out the lifestyle um, of a, a orthopedic surgeon or someone in the ORs not what I want to be with two little kids that I have, you know, if I wanted to not be around my kids, I would have stayed in the military and I would be retiring in like six years from now. So I, I chose a different path. And um, my mother-in-law was like, you know, you should go be a dermatologist. My uh, a dermatologist loves his life. And at the time I was like, no, you know, it's kind of like you said, you know, they just treat acne and rashes. That's not what I want to do. And we had um, Dr. McKenna Abercrombie who put me on to your name to, to reach out to you. She just graduated from St. Joe's, but she did a talk. She's an alumni from my school and she did a talk and I went to it. My mind was blown to what dermatology really was and how much you surgical procedures you have, like the medicine aspect actually behind dermatology, allergy, immunology. There's, it encompasses everything and everyone doesn't realize that. And they make fun of you because you want to be a dermatologist or whatever, but you feel at home when you're, when you're doing this. And I went through third year, went through all my rotations, kind of checked off like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. My last rotation was an elective in dermatology. And I was like, I better like this because that's my last rotation. And I felt just so at home being there for that month. And it just felt good. Um, So I agree with all that. Uh, The second thing was, we've talked about this before in this podcast too, but finding people who are willing to help you. um, If if that's a a mentor or classmates that are going through it, 
why struggle by yourself? We can all be successful. And we kind of talked about it. People are going to go unmatched, but why can't we elevate others at the time we're trying to elevate ourselves to be successful? Um, Absolutely. And people want to help you. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't hurt to just put yourself out there. Yeah. You know, it might and not think, help those who tried. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of the personalities of, of dermatologists is we know it's very hard to get into. And I'm, I'm not a dermatologist yet, but we know it's hard to get into. So we know we have to step out of our comfort zone and make those cold calls and make those cold emails and getting those rotations. Um, everyone that I've talked to, get as many rotations as you can. See as many faces as possible. And I think you, you hit it on the head right there. That's very important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it ultimately, I, I know that this could be a pro and a con. Ultimately, it is all about who you know. So mm -hmm. it is very important to make connections. And I always tell people that, you know, some, you know, sometimes I think people give extra attention to someone that can do more for them in life. But I always say you should treat everybody the same because you never know when someone can help you in some way. Thank you for saying that. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so true. And I know people are worried about like spending the money and going on these auditions, but, and not to use myself as an example, but I built a bed out of the back of my forerunner and lived on the road for the last five months, you know, to, to go do these rotations because I have two little kids. Um, and I'm not saying you have to be that extreme, but sometimes you have to make those sacrifices to, to get what, get where you want to be in life. And, um, I know numerous people who have done that in the last couple of years and made sleeping vehicles and slowered at the gym and all that other stuff. So. Yeah, that's true to commitment right there. But you, <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like once you get into medical school, you know that it is a big financial mm -hmm. commitment. But I, I always tell people that honestly, it's a drop in the bucket. If you're already paying for tuition, that's the biggest cost. So you true. might as well go ahead and just make the full commitment, get to where you want to be. Because, you know, being on the other side, I will say I'm not sitting here thinking about, you know, how much money I spent during rotations. Yeah you know that oh I went to all these rotations but I didn't match there I am so happy that I did everything I have no regrets for love all that. that money I spent I love that so we said getting FaceTime and doing rotations is there anything else you think is beneficial for students trying to get to dermatology so yeah so I think that you know the first thing is you definitely want to get a community around you I know we kind of talked about this so you know finding people that are going through it with you and then also it's really important to find a mentor so I do feel like there are different layers of mentors, or I call it generational mentors. So you have mentors that have just been through it. So they might be one or two years above you. Then you have mentors that, you know, have been out maybe like five or six years, a couple of years. And then you have the mentors that have been out for a couple of decades. So I think whenever you're initially applying or you make that decision, it's really important to seek out some of the people that have just been through it because it is changing every single year. Mm -hmm. I like whenever I talk to medical students. So I think, you know, getting a mentor that just went through it because then they can guide you on what they just did because they're, you know, it's fresh on their mind. So I think having that person is really important and just ask them, like, how did you reach out to programs? Like, which programs do you recommend that I reach out to? You know, what are some resources you mm -hmm. use? And then that next generational mentorship, I think that's really important because those people are the people that you make connections with that know people that can help you mm -hmm. uh, actually get into a program and not in a nepotistic way. It's more so really just putting yourself out there. So people get to know you, because this is what I always tell people. If you imagine that there is a room full of a thousand people and they have the same exact CV, 
how do you pick a hundred people out of those people? Right. So at that mm-hmm. point, then it becomes more subjective than objective. And it doesn't mean that some one person's better than the other, but really it kind of boils down to the relationships that you create because you know, if you compare dermatology and especially most fellowship, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit. They're very small programs compared to other residencies like internal medicine. So these program directors and attendings and even the co-residents that are there, they want to make sure whoever is coming into their training program is not messing up, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, what they have going on. Mm -hmm. So I think making those connections is really important with that, you know, generate that next generation. And then I always say, you know, the generation that seems like they're really far removed, I think that it's good to have a mentor, you know, in that generation as well, even though, you know, it might not be your um, first priority, but eventually, because the wisdom that they can provide you, honestly, I think that it, you know, it's um, invaluable. So I do think mentorship comes in different levels. Um, but I think also, you know, just talking about objective things, you want to make sure that, you know, you're working hard and, you know, making good grades. Mm-hmm. And then the score system, scoring system is a little different um, now, but making sure that for things that are scored, that you're doing pretty well. Um, and then if you can, can get on some projects, and I always tell medical students or people applying for fellowship, you don't have to do a research project in dermatology, or if you're applying for most fellowship, it doesn't have to be in dermatopathology or, you know, surgical dermatology just showing that you're putting an initiative and you're working on something that's so important. Um, Like I know some medical students that worked on a lot of COVID research, you know, since that was a hot topic Mm -hmm. Um, or worked on um, research about rural, you know, rural medicine or rural Mm -hmm. dermatology. So I think it's really important to, you know, take whatever you can get because you can't be super picky either and you want to be well-rounded. And then you also have to put yourself out there. So you know, I always say doing dermatology, you have to, you're constantly in an uncomfortable situation, but it does make you stronger in the long run, but you do have to really put yourself out there. You have to make phone calls. You have to send emails. You have to be your own advocate. So there is a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to do it because ultimately if you don't do it, you're not going to be competitive. And, you know, and if you want to do dermatology, you want to make sure that at least you get to the point where you're competitive enough to where you can add on the other mm-hmm. layers. If you're not doing it, someone else is doing it. That's my what I'm always telling people's people is that if if you're not doing it, someone else is doing it. So why not? Like the worst thing someone can tell you, you know, and I think that comes from my military background. You know, we kind of I don't want to say we get crapped on a lot in the military, but we do. Um, and I think they do it to obviously build tough skin and thick skin, because if you're doing things overseas and whatever, you have to kind of have thick skin, but you know, that you're going to get told no, no, a lot. You're going to get told different things a lot of times. So if you can just be okay with people telling, you no, you'll find a yes somewhere in one of those, those emails and those phone calls. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I always say if it was easy, everybody would do it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, but mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be fruitful. And then just, you know, honestly, and one more thing I just want to add, like, going above and beyond. And um, the biggest thing is having grit. I think that um, I know that that word people are like, I have grit, but really the true definition of grit, if you have that, you know, programs notice that, especially program directors, they're interviewing hundreds of people. They have a lot of experience in reading people, seeing how you work. And if you have grit in itself, 
that will set you out more than you ever would imagine. Mm -hmm. I think that is probably one of the best things that you can have on your side. Thank you for saying all that. I love that advice. I want to go back a little bit. Um, Mentorship. My buddy Johnny Johnny Hatch started this program or this this podcast, um, and then I took over around ten episodes and kind of he was matching at the time, so I took over as a student because it's for students by students. But um, this thing is this this podcast is distance mentoring for people who who can't find mentors, who can't reach out to program directors, can't reach out to dermatologists and most surgeons. Now we give the access for students to have it at the fingertips every single day to listen to dermatologists, residents, program directors of how to match into dermatology. So this is just one step. And then if you feel comfortable with someone you listen to, find a way to reach out to that individual. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Secondly, the nepotism thing. I know people always say that and people are always worried about that, but, and I don't know, I, I kind of have a qualm with that just because I know I came from nothing and I have no one kind of in my corner in dermatology in my family, but I will help my daughters if they want to be future dermatologists in the future. So we're all kind of saying, oh, these people have nepotism, but we're all going to give back to our family members and our close friends in the future anyway. So you're going to kind of be a hypocrite in the future if you guys say that now. So it's it's not about playing favoritism. It's about helping others in the future to give back to the community anyway. So. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, I feel like I'm in that situation right now. My little sister is actually a fourth year medical student applying for dermatology mm -hmm. and you know, I told her, I said, if you give me a reason to believe in you yep. and value you, I'll do it. But also I'll give you all the resources, mm -hmm. but I want you to also work for it. So, you know, I gave her the resources of people to reach out for, for mm -hmm. research, um, you know, experience. And, you know, I connected her with the right people, but I also wanted her to, you know, work for it yep. as well. But, you know, obviously being a big sister, mm -hmm. I would do anything for her. Yeah. Um, but with that said, you know, over the years, I have tried to mentor a lot of medical students. And now those medical students that are done with dermatology or mash into most surgery are actually so grateful for that, that they're actually helping my sister. So, mm -hmm. it really, you know, they really do pay it forward. Mm -hmm. So you just never know how someone that you help can help you indirectly in ways that you mm -hmm. wouldn't think about. Move on with, with the podcast. Um, I want to talk about what time and what time frame during dermatology residency did you know Moses for you? I know you said that you're interested in surgery in your third year. Did you know that you're going into Moses right away or did you kind of stray away from that? And if so, when was that? So I think, you know, the best advice I can give anybody doing dermatology interviews, do not say that you want to be a most mm -hmm. surgeon or a cosmetic dermatologist or anything like that, anything specific. And I, and not because you have to be fake. It's, you know, anytime you match into any program, you want to make sure that you are going to be really excited about the foundation mm -hmm. of that specialty. So I think that's really important. And for me, I wanted to make sure the first couple of years, I was really focusing on being a good dermatologist because if I'm not going to be a good dermatologist, then what's the point of me going into a specialty? So even though I knew very early on that I did really like working with my hands, um, I I still went into it with an open mind because right. maybe I would like dermatopathology, maybe, maybe I would like pediatric dermatology, but I knew very early on in my, you know, to my, in my mind, um, but in my internal dialogue, I, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't. I didn't start voicing it until my second year. Um, and then during that time, you know, you do have to really start preparing because you start applying for most fellowship, you know, you need to get all of your ducks in a row by the end of the second year to apply um, by like that last month or beginning of your third year. Okay. But 
there is a lot that goes into it beforehand that you don't realize. And I honestly um, didn't realize that either. So I think that if I had to give someone, someone advice, you know, even if you're not saying it out loud every single day to your Mm -hmm. attendant, I want to do Mo's, I want to do Mo's. But when you realize that it is something that you might even be interested in, you need to start, you know, doing all the work behind the scenes because setting up the rotations, um, going to conferences like ASDS, ACMS, or anywhere where program directors for most fellowship go, um, making those connections, you need to start doing that actually um, during latest during the beginning of your second year, because you want to make sure that you have all of those connections and all of the research or whatever you're going to do in place before you, um, you know, um, actually submit your application by the end of second year. And that can actually take some time. So um, that if I had to go back, I would have done that a little differently. Mm-hmm. But I think that in general, it is, you know, it is something that you kind of know when you start. And I, I think most people yeah. do, yeah. you know, like procedural dermatology. Mm-hmm. But I think the um, the part of most surgery that you don't realize if you really love it yet is the dermatopathology portion. So mm-hmm. you might be exposed to most surgery whenever you're doing audition rotations as a medical student. But when you're actually learning dermatopathology during um, residency, that's when you realize, do I like this or do I okay. not like it? Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of most surgery. It's being a you know, um, a procedural dermatologist and or dermatopathologist. So that's what every motor surgeon I spend time with is like, that's what makes most. That's what makes most surgery. You can do the cutting, making the circles, you can do the closing. But if you can't read the slides and you can't decide this is basal or squamous or whatever else, you're not a most surgeon. So you have to to like that. So exactly. So, um, so I think that, you know, that's really important, important to figure out like your, you know, first years or first, you know, couple of formative years, but I do think trying to figure that out sooner than later, because I actually didn't match the first time I applied for um, fellowship. Okay. Uh, and then I reapplied the second time and I used all of the, you know, mm-hmm. tools that I didn't have or didn't think that I needed mm-hmm. second time, um, you know, to get in. So I have a question to follow up for that. Um, we, this is, I'm a DO. Uh, I will graduate be a DO. I'm a DO student. You're a DO. Um, there's MDs that listen to this program. We know it's hard to get into Mo's either way, but it's a little harder for DOs. You know, not a lot of DO fellowships. I was curious on how you went about landing or matching into a pretty strong academic fellowship at the University of Florida as a DO. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so crazy because even when I think about it now, I'm like, I have no idea how I did it. <laughs> um, I'm like, I, you know, must uh, everything must have lined up or I must have mm. done something great at some point. Um, but honestly, looking back on it, I think, you know, I, so part of it is luck. I mm-hmm. think it is luck. all the, all the right things line at the same time. So whenever I first applied for um, fellowship, I, you know, I did everything that I thought I could do mm-hmm. and I applied and I did a couple of audition rotations, but I didn't match. Now that second time when I was going to apply, I wanted to, you know, do things differently. So what I did was um, I went to different conferences and I would honestly go up to program directors and just introduce myself. You know, there's a fine line. You don't want to mm-hmm. be annoying, um, but the just trend stays. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you just introduce yourself mm-hmm. and a small conversation. Um, you don't want to be their shadow the entire time. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And I, you know, I kind of, you have to kind of be in the know as well. I knew that University of Florida was revamping their program. And, um, and so I reached out to them and um, I was pretty persistent until I did get a rotation. Now, when I did my rotation, um, I, you know, obviously you do the best you can, you know, with the training that you've had. Mm-hmm. But I, when I was there, I really felt like I would be a good fit there. I loved how the program was set up. I love that it had a big academic, um, you know, um, um, like approach to, mm-hmm. you know, to most surgery and all the resources that you had there. And I loved all the attendings there, um, the program director, all the most attendings, and even, you know, the general dermatology department, it was incredible. And um, when I was there, I did everything I could to stand out. So, you know, I asked the program director, you know, do you want me to read slides and then like, you know, draw out what I think it is, or like, you know, do you want me to tell, tell you like how I would close it or just tell me how, whatever I can do um, to, you know, today to be competitive mm-hmm. or you know, to be useful. Um, and I feel like maybe that's what made me stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately whenever I, you know, did a couple of my, um, rotations the second time around, I think that I did have more confidence. Um, I was able to na- navigate a little better because I had more mentors mm-hmm. and more um audition rotation set up too and some of those people knew me from the year before so they knew that I was applying again so the persistence I think you know does stand out as well and it is not a scarlet letter if you don't match the first time actually so no one should feel that way Um, most people actually don't it's a it's a very low match rate so it does Mm -hmm. not look bad in any way if anything it just shows that you're very persistent so I think the persistence aspect of it I'm sure probably helped and then honestly, I think, um, I think that it just, it, everything, I just kind of aligned. I think mm-hmm. that the, um, attendings and program directors felt like, you know, we connected to, and I'd be a good fit. And on match day, I actually did not think that I would match at mm-hmm. UF because even though I was confident, I still, you know, you get imposter syndrome that every medical student has that, but as a DO, I, I do think that it it's a little bit more intense. Yeah. We feel like we have to prove ourselves. Yep. And um, so we constantly, you know, are battling um that imposter syndrome. So in my mind, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna put UF as number one, but I probably will not get it. But at least I have a lot more interviews and maybe some other program mm-hmm. will take. And so on match day, when I um, found out I got into UF, I I was honestly just so shocked. I was like, is your system okay? Like <laughs> Yeah. Uh, But then, you know, whenever I started fellowship and um, I worked with all my attendings and my program director and, you know, just like indirectly, you kind of try to figure out like why they picked you. And ultimately it was just, you know, the persistence and then working hard and just them seeing what you know as well. So I Mm -hmm. think putting like putting yourself out there and saying like, hey, can I read slides or like I do to help? And that way they can see what you know and how you function and how you interact with the staff too. And um, something else I just want to mention, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, people know this too, but, you know, when you go to audition rotations, you're not, you're not just trying to impress one person. You need to impress everybody and it needs to be genuine. Like you need yep. to be nice to all the staff, be helpful, ask them, do do you need help cleaning up the rooms? Yep. Or even if the janitors are, are coming in and cleaning up, I, you should always be nice to everybody because that stuff actually stands out and yep. being on the other side now 
and helping with, you know, interviews now, or like, you know, um, now that I know the other aspect mm -hmm. of things, um, you know, like the nurses and other staff really do, mm -hmm. you know, get their opinion on what they think. So that is very important too. Um, so I think maybe that's something that, you know, yes. stood as well. I love that. Um, to piggyback right off that, we had a program director on here, um, Dr. Salmon, she goes by Dr. Merritt now, she runs the Ohio Riverside um, program in Columbus. But she said, there's IQ and there's EQ. And the EQ are the people that make connections with the staff, clean up the rooms, help the janitors. And that's what means a lot to people. You don't see it, but those MAs, those nurses, those janitors are also talking about you when you're not yeah. there. So that, hold, that holds a lot of weight. Um, so that's the advice that I've given to anyone that's ever asked me because I've mentoring people down below me in third, second, first years. Um, whenever rotation you're on, ask the preceptor how I can be useful, like you said, about reading slides and stuff. What can I do to make your life easier so I can learn and be the most successful in this rotation? Right away, they're giving you the expectations that you need that you should meet and exceed. And then secondly, just be kind person. Be a nice person. Be genuine and just be a kind person. And everything, I believe in karma, everything will come back to you good when you're doing good. So. Yes, I completely agree. You should always treat everybody the same, no matter what they can do for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people see that. So I think that's really important. And um, I know that was a really long answer to what I nope. said, but this, Perfect. the biggest thing is making connections and putting yourself out there. You know, even when I went to the UF board review that used to be in person, um, whenever I was a senior and, you know, I went up to Dr. Conda, who was my you know, program director, mm -hmm. and I introduced myself. It was just one introduction, you know. But even little things like that, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'll have to ask him. I, I don't know if that made a difference. But... <laughs> no, you know, I had another Mo surgeon on here. He's an MD. He's based out of uh, Aurora. I think he did his training at Loma Linda. He said the same thing. It's you have to find the connections that you're going to make and, and be impactful in a short amount of time. Because you, like you said, it's a, it's a even smaller subset of people for Mo's. And you have, you're going to be working with that person most likely hand in hand for the year. So they have to have a strong connection with you too, to fill that connection. So like you said, go something that you did you introduce yourself felt the connection you went on your rotation you obviously stood out and there was a strong enough connection for you that you could be there for the year so yeah absolutely and the Mose world is a lot smaller than even dermatology so mm -hmm. you have all these rock stars that are even bigger rock stars and you have a <laughs> pool and then amongst that when whenever program directors are picking it's a very difficult decision you know i've talked to program directors and it's not an easy decision for them to make but ultimately you are you know that person does become your work family so you mm -hmm. are spending so much time with your program director and your attendings that it is someone that you want to work with someone mm -hmm. that's teachable you know someone that's going to work hard and someone that you're going to be proud to say you trained. So if you can, you know, show those personality traits, those really go a long way because, you know, my, um, my program director for dermatology, Dr. Miller, I remember he used to say, you know, I can teach anybody dermatology, but I can't teach you to be a good person. So, you know, so it does go a long way. I know it sounds so generic. And when I tell people that they're like, well, yeah, I'm a good person, but but it's like, you have to generally be a good person and, you know, put, you know, good vibes mm -hmm. out there. Yep. And I do believe that it comes back to you. Dr. Miller's great. His staff, I mean, his staff, even his, his patients love him. Um, been coming, like I was rotating there and just like, we've been coming to him for 20 years. Like we will not see another dermatologist. So, um, and he's a very genuine person too. And uh, I spent some time with another graduate, Dr. Donnell Enley, who graduated from Largo. Uh, she's based out of Aurora too. And she said the same thing. He's just a genuine person and a good person. So. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, question, question on your day in life. 
are you doing most four days a week? Are you doing gender a little bit? Any cosmetics? Yeah, so that's a great question um, because you can do you know a mix of everything when you're done with fellowship. So um, it depends on your training too. So in my training at UF, um, you know, I had an amazing training in not only just you know doing most every day, but also managing complex um, cases. And so um, I, you know, I got really good training in that, but we also got training in cosmetics as well in dermatology, dermatology residency, and then also in Mo's fellowship too. Um, now, coming out of fellowship, you have to figure out what you want, because I knew that I wanted to do mostly Mo's. And the reason why it wasn't that I was like, I never want to see a rash again, but <laughs> it was mostly because I wanted to use my first couple of years to, you know, try, I mean, you can never be perfect, but I wanted mm-hmm. to you know, I want to start perfecting my craft, essentially. Mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, I wanted to just focus on that, especially in the beginning. So um, that was really important for me. So my first job when I was working in Jacksonville, I was working um, three days a week, sometimes four, but I was doing all um, mostly Mo's and a day of excisions um, on, you know, in some, some weeks I would do days of excisions. And then whenever I moved here to Kentucky recently, actually, um, I'm I'm doing th- three days and four days, so alternating. Um, so one week I'll work Monday through Wednesday, and then the next week I'll work Monday through Thursday. And actually here in, um, so I never thought I would move to Kentucky, first mm-hmm. of all. But, um, it's been a pleasant surprise because we love it here. I love my job. And, you know, I, I was very honestly impressed by how much pathology is here because, Coming from Florida, you assume that there is no other place on earth that has mm-hmm. this much skin cancer. Mm-hmm. But actually, the t- tumors that I'm seeing here in um, Lexington, um, which, you know, people are coming from all over. It's not just Lexington. We actually serve a big um, population here from surrounding cities and regions. But um, there's lots of pathology here. So I'm seeing a lot of complex tumors here that I didn't even see in Florida. So so um, with that said, um, it's very busy. So it's um, me and a do- another most surgeon mm-hmm. here. And um, we're actually booked out. I'm booked out until my maternity leave in February. So I I have you know even openings, which is scary mm-hmm. that there's skin cancer. Then he does most four days a week. So, um, so there's definitely a need here. So for me, um, to answer your question, I got lucky that I was able to you know find a job where I could do almost because that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, there are so many different opportunities out there to make the schedule you want. So I have a couple of friends that do a combination. So I have some friends that do two days of Mohs, two days of Genderm. I have um, some friends that do a day of excisions and cosmetics and then um, one or two days of Mohs and a day of Gen, you know, Genderm. So really, you can you can mold your job into whatever you want. And um, that's the beauty of it. You know, you can... F- you know, you can figure out what works for you. But if you do want to do most surgery going forward, it, you pretty much have to do a fellowship because of the way everything is trending. The new and, rule. Yeah. So, so if it is something that is important to you, then, um, you know, it, it, you have to do a fellowship, um, going forward. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I, um, Obviously, I know, like you said, don't go into your interviews and saying that directly, but I know I'm interested in, interested in it. Um, I like to work with my hands. I was interested in surgery in the first place. Um, and that's what makes a fellowship more 
interesting to me because of that role. I won't be able to practice it. I won't be able to sit, do the cases, sit for the board and do MOs anymore um, because I'm graduating here next year. And then 2025 is when the new rule is. So that's why a fellowship is more enticing to me. Um, obviously, things can change in the next four years, but um, that's why I'm, I am interested in a fellowship. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know, you know, that piece of information. So, you know, that you're going to do whatever it takes to at least, you know, set yourself mm -hmm. up to be able to, um, if I still to choose to, yeah. Um, you know, even though you're not announcing it from the rooftop, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, that that's something that you do need to be doing behind the scenes and getting those mentors and uh, making those connections now without you, you being so blunt about it. Of course. So it's very important. Perfect. Um, do you have for to wrap it up? Do you have any final life advice for students interested in dermatology? Doesn't have to be matching or Mount Mo's, but what do you have for like final life advice? So, you know, I always say if it's something that you're really passionate about, you, you should definitely do it, even if you don't match the first time or even the second time. I think it's really important to do everything it takes to, you know, get into the specialty you want. And dermatology is getting a lot more competitive. It is getting harder. You know, you're competing against more people. And, you know, there's just so many parameters and things that are changing, but don't give up. I know it sounds so cliche saying that, but really just don't give up because a lot of people do give up and they get frustrated or mm -hmm. um, they end up, you know, not having the confidence to keep going. Um, so I think that's really important, but, you know, you do have to put in work and effort. So if you are one of those people that doesn't like to go above and beyond and you just like to skate by, it's probably not going to be easy for you to get into Durham. So I do think that you have to ask yourself, how much work are you truly willing to put into it? Because that is going to predict your success in getting into um, residency, into dermatology. And, um, and then the most important thing, honestly, is mentorship. I think finding mentors that, you know, you connect with, that you vibe with, and don't be scared to ask people for help. I mean, the worst is that they'll say, no, don't be shy. Don't be scared. You know, be confident. Always ask for help. Um, I think that I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have all the mentors I had. So um, it's a lot more important than, um, you know, you would think. I appreciate all that advice. I loved it. Um, with that being said, we'll see you on the next one. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the DIGA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to dermintrustpod at gmail.com. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 